Welcome to Voices by Viv. I'm your host, Riley Conroy, and today I am joined by Kelly Donahue. Thanks for joining us, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're super excited to have you on, and you know, I'm sure the conversation will sort of just flow, but I'd love to start off by just getting to know you a little bit better. Maybe you can tell us any exciting things about yourself and like how you got involved in in you know, VIVS, the organization overall, or just like what kind of mobilized you in the, the period care space um, and any kind of fun background, we'd love to hear it. So I first heard about VIV. One of my friends from high school actually interned for VIV like the first summer it ever existed. And she was like running the social media accounts. And so she was, you know, like making me follow all the social media, joining the Facebook group, doing all this. And I was very interested in it, like right from the get go. I majored in environmental engineering in college. So environmental things have kind of always been up my alley. And I focused actually within my major on like the public health, like environmental health side. And so looking into period care is like very on brand for what I've kind of been interested in for a while. Yeah, so I basically just have been following Viv from the start. And then this past summer, I just kind of like reached out to Katie because I just wanted to learn more and just like see if I could get involved in any way at all. And it's kind of just from there, I just kind of joined the team and I kind of just do whatever they need me to do, which I really enjoy. It's just like a very cool experience to like work at a small startup that has a mission that I like believe in so heavily. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think the, the public health background like really lends itself to Viv because it's like some of the, the, maybe like when you were saying environmental engineering, like some of the more sustainable background stuff kind of maybe aligns with that, but then obviously public health in general and just talking about like women's health and like period care and like accessibility stuff. It's all, it all lines up. Yeah. And I feel like, in like the period space, it's just like something that people don't talk about a lot, at least like for myself. I don't know, like having a lot of like girlfriends even, you don't like talk about your period all the time, even though it's something that you can unite over. I don't know, it's just something that a lot of people just don't talk about at all. And then that leads to a lot of like, you know, I'm constantly worried that like my body's not normal. And like, (laughs) I don't know if what's going on with my body is like what other people are experiencing. So just like having this as like a community and like a place to like normalize health around menstruating in general is a very cool thing. Totally. Yeah, I think with everything with with periods and with like women's health in general, and like women's bodies, some of that inability to talk about it is like a it's like a a vicious cycle or like a self-fulfilling prophecy where like people are too scared to talk about it because they think like they're no one else is experiencing it. And because no one else is talking about it, that just creates this like pattern of like people just not wanting to bring it up and like feeling this kind of like shame or stigma around it. And I love that Viv is like, so outspoken about normalizing periods and like having those conversations be just more accessible and more common and like, just not have the the shame around them, which I mean was why we're here on the podcast, right? Is like we're having <laughs> these conversations, which is awesome. Yeah. And so you and I had talked kind of prior to this call, um, and you had mentioned that you were a dancer for a long time, and that had kind of I think with with everything with any kind of sport, but especially dance, there's lots of body image issues or body image just like considerations, and also just like little things about like it being difficult to manage a period. Talk a little bit about that experience. 
Yeah, so I was a dancer for like my whole life. I I hate to say was. Up until the pandemic, I was like taking classes like very regularly still. But you know, once I went to college, it kind of slowed down and it's just kind of become like a a hobby, I guess, when it was really like my whole life, like all growing up. So I actually started out in Irish dance, which is like a whole world in itself. But then I got like very serious about ballet, especially into my high school years. And yeah, the the hyper awareness about bodies in the dance world is unbelievable. And I think when I was in it, when I was like really serious about ballet, especially, I don't think it really like I didn't process how much weird things were happening, you know, like the way that people look at each other and look at yourselves and it's such a competitive environment and that it's so unnatural to stare at yourself in the mirror for hours every day. But like, that was just normal for me growing up, like always, I would just like walk into the studio and stare at myself in the mirror for like a three hour rehearsal, which is like, so bad for you like that can't that can't be good <laughs> literally like wall-to-wall mirrors I also danced for a long time and I just remember like there was no escaping the mirrors like yeah oh my gosh and just I don't know if you had this experience but I feel like everybody does where like you know there's the skinny mirror and the fat mirror in your studio and you know like if you get the spot in front of the skinny mirror you feel really good about yourself and like that is just it's everything is so warped, like in terms of your body and people don't talk about it within that community. I feel like because it's so competitive, even if you're just dancing for fun, you know, like I was never going to be a professional dancer. I was just doing it for fun. But like the, the culture is still there of like, for some reason, everybody's, you know, well, not for some reason, it's like intentional. Everybody's looking at other people and saying, wow, like they look really good doing that. I wanted to look really good doing that. Or, you know, like everything is always comparison or just being really hard on yourself and like okay I'm making it sound so negative but like I like love dancing so much and it's not always very negative but it is like interesting looking back totally like realize how many things were going on in my head that I wasn't aware of at the time about my body and I know it some people it like really affects them when they're going through it and like for me it was definitely after I kind of took a step away from the dance world I was like whoa like all these things are happening Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's very interesting and I think it definitely had a huge effect on my relationship with my body and now like being a part of like a community that's very open and like talking about like health stuff and like women's health especially I don't know it's just it feels so good to like have a space like that because I feel like dance is just so different than that I don't know just thinking like managing your period when you're a ballet dancer oh my god (laughs) not good I have some like horrible period stories from my from my dance days I'm sure I do too and I've just suppressed them um I do think like just to your point before we jump into the period aspect of it (laughs) I had a similar experience like I was not like I was never going to grow up to be, like, an actual dancer, like, doing that as a career. Like, that was never it for me, but it was a huge part of my life. And I was lucky to go to, like, a dance studio that people with all different bodies, like, were attending and dancing. But I I do think, like, there's this aspect of dance. Like, when you're on stage, like, the visual appeal is that everyone looks the exact same. Yeah. You want everyone to, like, we're wearing the same costumes. Like, we're, we're all in the same shapes to, like, create this, like, visual cohesion that, like, looks nice. And yeah. it's interesting how that's just like inherently non not conducive to having different bodies represented. And it's like the 
typical dancer, quote unquote, is that like thin white person. And as a kid, I mean, I'm a white girl and I was a scrawny little twig. And so I feel like when I was little, I feel like I got this like praise. I was like, oh, you're you're such a great dancer. You're going to grow up to be something great. I don't think it had much to do with my skill, but more that I just like fit the little pretty picture of like what a ballerina was, which is really interesting. That's like so interesting. I feel like I, I didn't have like the exact same experience, but I was always like very tiny because I was dancing so intensely from like such a young age I like didn't hit puberty until like really late I like looked really young and like really tiny for a very long time which is like the ideal which is very scary to think about you know like the ideal dance body is like one that hasn't gone through puberty and you're just expected to like stay looking like a tiny you know like it's very interesting but it same thing that I feel like I felt good about myself because I was like this tiny like (laughs) underdeveloped teenager that looked like a 10 year old like I don't know right very like strange to think about I actually I danced in college as well I was like in a dance group and it was more like contemporary dance focused and I had like never done anything really except for ballet until then and like that was also just like a club so it was a very different environment and we had conversations more about body acceptance, you know, everybody is going through these like weird withdrawals of coming out of high school as an intense dancer and like all kind of like dealing with these things together and like like different people's bodies have different abilities and that's so cool. And you don't all have to look exactly the same and you can like use everybody's strengths to create something beautiful even if everybody looks really different. You know, that's like such an amazing thing that like at least in the ballet world, is just so not celebrated. And I think, you know, that kind of opened my eyes to, like, other types of dance are definitely very different, but there's still these, like, norms and ideals. I don't know. The dance world could be so much better if we didn't have these, like, everybody has to look the same. Yeah, it's it's crazy because it, it feels like it's in opposition to, like, the the origins of dance but like to your point like you can create something that's even more visually interesting and like really impressive if you are like showcasing the differences and playing into people's strengths and like that tells a different story that's equally if not more beautiful on a stage than like just having carbon copies of of the same dancer over and over again looking back i can like think a lot more critically about that whole world and like the whole community and just in general, I have learned so much more about like dance history and like the like traditional things and like where they come from, like after Mm. I kind of left the world, which I think is so important and like gives me a lot more perspective. And I like wish they would teach younger dancers more of that stuff to like understand the context of what you're doing. Totally. I think I, I remember that was like definitely an afterthought of like the learning process with dance because like for most kids and and to some degree I think it should be it was just like a physical activity like it was just like something to do and like uh, a good way to be active but there is so much like important I think relevant history that should be kind of like taught along with it and it's hard to like to know like to what degree that should be incorporated if it's just like a recreational thing but, yeah. like, with anything, I think it's really important to understand, like, the history of it all and to, like, not just have, like, not just take something at face value, but but understand, like, why it is the way it is and why this dance culture, like, has come to, to be the way it is today. Yeah, it's very interesting because it is, like, it's an art form, but it's also, like, a physical activity with your body. So it's, like, both at the same time 
which is so different from playing soccer or like on the other hand like doing a different form of art where you probably focus more on like I don't know it's like the the intersection of both kinds of like activity where I feel like miss out on on certain aspects that might like be important yeah that's super true I never thought of it like that and like you know you could argue something probably similar for like music to some degree and and I mean maybe you could even argue that soccer is an art form but I do think like dance occupies that that niche space where it is like a demanding physical activity but it is like meant to be perceived and meant to be like appreciated as art you you mentioned you mentioned the both like hitting puberty kind of late and like some like period horror stories I remember from from like me being a dancer like being in the studio for a long time and being in that stage where like not everyone had their period but some people had their period and it was like so embarrassing to have a period and I remember like sneaking off to the bathroom like trying to like stuff a pad like in my skin tight leotard so that like nobody knew and I also remember like wearing pads in a leotard like how the heck was I doing that I have no idea my early days but like that is like the the memory that I have and like I can literally see myself like trying to to hide this as if I was like hiding the most shameful secret in the world whereas like half the class was probably feeling the same thing and like no one actually cared it was like a bunch of women who were like in the same period of life like in the same stage at the same age but I was like I think it's so funny because yeah you're like in a room full of people that are all wearing like skin tight clothes you can't hide anything but like same thing everybody tries to be like sneaky about it everyone can see everything on everyone like (laughs) it's okay (laughs) I remember well okay just like going back yeah I hit puberty very late I like didn't get my period until I was like 16 or 17 which is like super late and I kind of loved not having my period because I just didn't deal with a lot of the stuff that everyone else was and everyone was like you know, having really bad cramps, and I was like, I'm fine, like, whatever, just gonna ride this out as long as possible, but I remember, well, the first time I ever got my period was at a dance competition, like, five minutes before I went on stage, and I, like, thought I was going to die, but I also, like, knew what it was because, because I was, like, 16 years old, you know, at that point, I'm like, ah, it's, like, finally here, that sucks, but (laughs) it's not like, like, you know, I was 12 years old and, like, didn't even know what a period was, so, like, I think I'm lucky in that sense, but I was also, like, five minutes away from going on stage, and, like, it was at, like, the New England Championships, and I was, it was, like, a very important thing for me, and I was, like, oh my god, like, do I have to, like, use a tampon for the first time ever? Like, right now, it was very traumatic. I feel like at the beginning, I had, like, very irregular periods also, and they always came at the absolute worst times, like... (laughs) I would just not get my period for four months and then, like, get it on the day of Nutcracker auditions. Everything was just, like, so dramatic and at the worst times. But I remember, like, being so upset going to dance class, like, or maybe it was, like, an audition or something and being, like, you know, I have my period and, like, I don't know, you feel, like, shame or you feel like people are gonna know or, like, you're gonna accidentally bleed through your leotard or something. And I, like, remember so distinctly this conversation with my mom where she was, like, there are, like, 25 people in this class. Chances are at least one-fourth of them, like, have their period right now also, which I had, like, never thought about. I feel like as a teenager, you're, like, so self-involved and you're just not thinking that, like, everyone's going through the same thing you are. And then I just, like, looked around. I'm like, oh, my God, she's right. Like, other people in this class 
also have their period right now. It's like not a big deal. I don't have to feel like there's like something wrong with me and everybody's going to find out. <laughs> Thinking about it that way now, like whenever I will like, I mean, now it's not a big deal. But I think like <laughs> since that conversation, I just like looked at it so differently that like everyone around me is like probably going through the same thing. Totally. Whereas like, I think it's so easy to be like, oh my God, we have this. I think this is like a literally a psychological thing where like you think everyone is watching you just because like obviously you're living life through like your own lens. You just think like you're being watched a lot more than you are. So like you're like, oh, this is happening to me and I'm the only one that it's happening to and everyone is watching and everyone knows. Whereas like there's probably five other girls in that class who are like going through the same thing. They're like, oh my God, I have my period and everyone knows I'm the only one. Yeah. Oh my God. And you know that it's so amplified in dance also because you're looking in the mirror and you're like, you know, you're watching yourself. So like maybe everyone else is watching you too. (laughs) Totally. But in reality, everyone's just like fixated on themselves. Yeah. Everyone's just like locking eyes with themselves in the mirror. Like no one has any awareness of the people around them. (laughs) Totally. totally. And if they are watching you, it's because like, you know, the steps a little bit better and they're just trying to like learn it from you. They're not really judging you. (laughs) They're just like, yeah. I do think like, to your point about having irregular periods, periods especially, this like probably isn't even true, but I just felt like as a teenager, like periods always came at the worst time and it was always like devastating when my period came. (laughs) I thought it was like the worst thing ever. Like I just had such anxiety around having my period where like in reality, like you just like put in a tampon or like whatever you use and like continue to live life the way you did every other day. But like for me, it was such a point of anxiety and maybe that did have something to do with the fact that like I was dancing and I was on a leotard and I was always so paranoid that it was going to like leak through or something like that. But at the end of the day, it's like very easy to operate with a period. Like you can handle it. The reason, especially as a teenager, I found it so anxiety inducing. Oh yeah. Same thing. I had so much anxiety about it. And you know, you always picture like the worst case scenarios in your head. I do that about like everything. So like, obviously when I was like 17 years old, getting my period for the first time, I'm like, everyone else dealt with this in seventh grade and now I'm like dealing with it for the first time and I'm like an old person like how embarrassing there were a few times where like the worst case scenario or like what you think is the worst case scenario like actually happened to me I like bled through my pants in the middle of class and then I got up and there's like blood on the chair and I thought I was gonna like have to switch schools and then it's like really not a big deal (laughs) like no one cares it's okay that is tough though to have it like happen to you later in life though like having these embarrassing things happen when like maybe that's like everyone's already gone through it like i remember i had the exact same thing happen where like i was in class my period leaked through my pants and it was on the chair and i didn't even notice it was happening i was standing at my teacher's desk and some girl bless her heart came up to me and was like hey i think you got your period and i was like what and i like looked at the chair and i was like oh my god and like sprinted to the nurse's office but that happened to me in like eighth grade Whereas, like, granted, middle school, like, everything is super embarrassing and, like, my existence was painful. So, like, (laughs) that just made it worse. So, like, I don't know if it's better or worse to experience that, like, in high school or in middle school. Like, both are terrible. Like, it's a terrible experience. Yeah, no, I, I don't know which one is worse because, yeah, everything is just such a big deal in middle school. I had, like, my, like, embarrassing period dance story. This one, like, still haunts me. This is, like, (laughs) a horrible experience. I went to this summer intensive that... It was like at this big company and I, it was like my first day at this intensive, which I'm like trying to make friends. I'm trying to like be a good dancer. So everybody respects me. I'm like, 
And it was the first class of the first day. I was like two months after getting my first period ever. And I like got my period in the middle of class, didn't realize, and it bled through my leotard. Like everything that you worry about as a dancer. But then it was also like my first day at intensive. And like, I didn't have an extra pair of tights with me. I like didn't want to like leave class because if you like leave class to go to the bathroom, it was like not okay at all. But I like had to because I was bleeding through everything and it was just the worst possible situation. That's still like, oof. That is brutal. What ended up happening? I just like left and went to the bathroom and I tried to like clean myself off, but then I just had to like, I just went back into class. I had blood on my tights. Who cares? The thing is like, everybody in that class that's probably happened to at some point you know like it's such a weird thing that it feels so intense in ballet class and that you're like supposed to be all formal we're all just people it's not a big deal yeah i also think there's like in general like some misconception or like the kind of thought that like oh periods are gross and so like having a, a leakage or something like that is like gross. I'm like, granted, it's not ideal. Like I never want to be like bloody, whether it's out of my <laughs> or the other part of my body, like that's not ideal. But like, I love that you just like put on your tights. Cause like those are the tights you had, those are the tights you had to wear and you just like wore them back in. Cause like, what else are you going to do? You just, you have to make it work. Like I, I couldn't do anything else, whatever. <laughs> that's awesome. I also totally remember like, which such a weird thing. But I totally remember, like, leaving class to go to the bathroom was, like, not cool. Like, we people have to pee. Like, what do you mean? But I totally remember that being a thing. And I didn't remember until you just said that. But I remember it being, like, a bad look if you were leaving class to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, people have, like, bodily functions. Like, people have to do stuff. Like, what do you expect? It's weird that that's, like, a universal thing. And, you know, some teachers are more lax than others. But, like, I had a teacher one time that, like, if you yawned in his class, he would, like, kick you out because he was like, oh, am I boring you? Which is like, okay, sometimes I just yawn. I'm not even tired. Like, (laughs) all these things that seemed normal to me at the time. It's a very strange thing because dance is all your body, but then you're, like, kind of shamed for, like, normal body things, like going to the bathroom or yawning. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. I remember, like, throughout the time while I was dancing, our dress codes kind of got stricter and stricter. Like, it started out, like, we all always had to wear, like, like black leotards and, like, pink tights, whatever. And we used to wear, like, skirts in ballet. And then I remember at some point it was, like, okay, no skirts. And I also remember, like, they were getting really strict about, like, the straps that we had on. So if you were wearing, like, a sports bra under your leotard, like, if there were too many straps, like, we were, like, getting in trouble. And I remember being, like, I mean, I was very flat-chested, but there were girls in in class who had, like, bigger boobs who were like, well, I'm not going to not wear my sports bra because I'm incredibly embarrassed about my own body. And, like, yeah, we had similarly, like, stricter and stricter dress codes as I, like, grew up in my studio. And they eventually had, like, speci- like a specific leotard that each level had to wear. And it was, like, this extremely thin, the, the material that's like not the good kind of leotard material, but it was, it was like regulation or whatever. So yeah. we all had to wear the same exact leotard, which is just so bad when everybody's body is different, but like we just had to make it work and it was horrible. It didn't work for everybody. And I still felt so uncomfortable in my body. And like, I understand 
having dress codes in, in dance classes and stuff, but, like, I don't know. It's It's along the same lines of, like, weird traditions that, like, may or may not be productive in the long run. <laughs> totally, totally. But they're so, like, ingrained in that world. I don't, like, I get, I get, like, when you're on stage and you're performing, like, costumes should look a certain way and, like, you want to look nice or whatever. But in class, I was always like, I don't get this. It was I know. Scary. It is so crazy how, thinking back, like, all of those weird things, like, had to have had an impact on, like, my brain all these things that are just weird looking back that it's like huh like how did that turn me into the person I am today (laughs) totally totally I've honestly never stopped to think about that but I'm sure like if I sat down for long enough and really thought about that I'd be like oh this weird thing that I was taught when I was five years old and in tights and whatever is probably why I still do this today do you know what yeah. I mean? there's like some psychological unpacking that I could do oh, to- yeah. I I've like had a lot of conversations about this because my dance friends from growing up are still like some of my really good friends and since we've all graduated from our studio you know and are now like doing different things with our lives we all can be like whoa like remember this weird thing and we have this shared experience growing up that like not a lot of people have. It's very interesting to hear like different people's perspectives. Yeah. I think it's 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 sad and it's tough that like some people did have like such a negative experience with dance that like it, they kind of want to like put it out of their mind now. Like for me it was like as much as I can complain about the little things and as much as like it sucked at times. Like overall, like I think it was a really great thing for me. I think it was great for like my self-esteem in a lot of ways because like it was so good to be to be good at something. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. so, like, empowering to be like, oh, look, I've learned this dance and I can do it and I look cool when I do it. Like, you know, like that component of it. And I can totally yeah. understand how, like, you know, that's not the same for everyone. But it is sad because I do feel like dance is supposed to be this, like, empowering thing. And, like, since it is such, like, a woman-heavy environment, like, it is supposed to be kind of, like, like female empowerment kind of space but it can be so detrimental on the other end yeah I think it's it's very hard when you're in like the thick of it to like take a step back and be like oh I'm like doing this because I feel good when I do it or like it's this empowering thing it's easy to get caught up in all the negative but like especially dancing like in college for me it was so much easier because you know I was choosing to do it going out of my way to like go to rehearsals and like be involved in this club it's easier to be like wow this is like it's so amazing that like our bodies are able to do these things and it it does it feels so good when you like can do something and it looks good and you like feel good doing it I've always just loved performing like that is what I think I liked the most about it so like that's why I feel like I, I just like had such a positive experience with dance because I just love being on stage, which is so funny because I have always been kind of like a shy person in real life. But I think it goes along with what you were saying that like it feels good to know you're good at something, you know? And so like that's where I could like be confident. I remember like rolling my eyes as a kid. Be like, you know, some people are just like more incom- like more comfortable on a stage in front of a million people than they are like in a one-to-one conversation. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like that's ridiculous. But at the same time, like you can totally understand like, and I felt the same way. Like I was much more confident when I was like dancing and I was on stage and I knew like deep down that I, I knew all like the moves. Like I, I wasn't going to screw up. 
that was me in my prime. Like, right? like, that was that was me in in full power mode. Whereas like I was also a very very shy child and very shy teenager. There are so many more opportunities for me to embarrass myself off stage than there were on stage. I feel like. That's so funny because for a lot of people, I think it's the exact opposite. It's just like so so different for every every person. I think like ultimately, like as with dance and with any any like activity or, or mostly like a, a physical activity, like it should just be more about like how it makes you feel and like how you feel when you're doing it. Like, do you actually enjoy it or are you doing it for like external reasons or whatever? Yeah. Um, and I do feel like dance can be one of the, the more validating things because like it's for other people's enjoyment like sports are too right like people like enjoy watching like sporting (laughs) events but like I don't know I think there's something really beautiful about that that like aspect of dance that like it can be so empowering for you but it can be like so enjoyed by like an audience yeah that's what I was trying to like come to terms with is like I'm like an adult now (laughs) so I'm not gonna be like performing or like you know everything was always leading up to the nutcracker or leading up to a show or whatever. And like now I'm kind of like, okay, if I'm going to dance, it's going to be because I love it. And like, because it's something that makes me feel good. And like, if it doesn't, then I don't have to do it anymore. I like never really thought about it that way to this degree, I feel like, which has been, it's been so cool to kind of like take this activity that I've done my whole life and just completely change my perspective on it and like realize that you can approach something in in just like a completely different mindset and still like enjoy it and get different things out of it. You have this opportunity to like redefine yourself as like Kelly the dancer but like Kelly the what else? Okay, well, we've 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 chatted about dance for like 45 minutes now. Maybe just um before we jump off can you talk, like you mentioned um, in the beginning, a little bit more about like your environmental engineering background? Can you talk a little bit about like maybe just like sustainability? Maybe we can take it the other the other direction. Is that something that you've become more passionate about recently? Is it something that you were kind of into pre-Viv? And like, are there any like fabulous swaps you've made besides period care products? Yeah, I feel like I've kind of always been a little bit interested in sustainability actually like last week I went home to my parents house and we were cleaning out like my childhood artwork and I was like drawing pictures being like here's me saving the earth when I was like five (laughs) which like I don't remember I like what (laughs) that is fantastic so I guess it's like always been in my head but I don't know my like personal sustainable journey has definitely been like separate from from my like environmental engineering education but they are like all connected i feel like i'm learning new things like every single day about sustainability in general actually like yesterday i saw a tiktok which i shouldn't be getting all my information off tiktok but like i learned so much on there but this girl was saying i've never thought about this but how sustainability is so focused on like shaming women and like it's a misogynistic thing if you think about it like we are pressured to you know not buy fast fashion and like it's focused on you know using reusable shopping bags and stuff and all this stuff is very it's like stereotypically female activities or like things that we should change about ourselves but then where is the shaming for guys that are obsessed with cars all the cars that are like the worst for the environment are the ones that are like the cool ones like the ones that people really want and like there's virtually no shaming for activities like that and 
I've never thought about that, that there is like misogyny within sustainability. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves as women, I think. And this is just another way that it's being like packed onto us, which doesn't mean that we should, you know, reject that. We should focus on sustainability, but that's just a a way that I've never thought about it. You know, like... That's so interesting. And like, just as you were talking about that, I was trying to kind of like imagine like, like what comes to mind when I think about like the sustainable person. And I feel like when I think of like, oh, the person who is like, like sustainability goals, I do picture like a woman who's like getting all of her clothes thrifted and like is using her reusable straws. Like I definitely think of a woman and I, I, I almost wonder if like that's just the way that sustainability has been centered is like around women and like not necessarily to control women's behavior, but it is like in, in a sense, like, like you were saying, like a lot of the sort of like key switches or like the typical, like things get that get pointed out as like being bad for the environment in terms of like a consumer's perspective is, does often fall on the woman. So interesting. Yeah. It's cool to learn about new ways to like approach sustainability and to like question yourself and like self-reflect about like the actions that you're taking. I feel like this year, especially I've been learning so much about like accessibility and sustainability. It's so important to, to just like reflect on like your, like my privilege and how you can't shame individuals for like doing things that are not possible. I also like, and this is maybe like a larger criticism of like society and capitalism but like I do think there's a lot of like blame put on the consumer and it's like up to the individual to like make these minute changes as if it's my personal plastic consumption that is causing climate change to like be as horrible as it is right now whereas like and and, like this is like a large topic in conversation contemporarily right now. It's like, it's rarely the big corporations that are actually causing problems and like actually doing the most damage that are like being held responsible for that. And it's so easy for them to then flip that back on the consumer and be like, oh, but I saw you use that plastic straw. Like if you just switch to these metal straws, maybe then it wouldn't be so bad. This is like my biggest, oh my God. I'm like so glad you brought this up because I... This is like my biggest thing. Being in an environmental field, like in academia, you would think that this would be an obvious thing that like individuals are not the reason climate change is such an issue, but there's like so much people are still being like, oh, of course, like eliminating plastic straws will do so much. You know, like people really believe that. I mean, it's not false, but that's not where we should be focusing our attention. I could like go on about this for hours. There is so much pressure to be sustainable and like you can only do so much as one person. And even if you did everything right, you know, it's not gonna make that much of a difference, which is so horrible to say. And like, no one wants to hear that because everybody wants to be able to make a difference. Totally. And it's like this, what really frustrates me is that this trend of sustainability, which is so like right now, like the moment is like, single-use plastic like let's get rid of that it is all like so focused on like this trend of sustainability and all that does is like takes the focus off of these big corporations that are causing like severe environmental disasters and allows them to continue exactly what they're doing continue to profit on it and even like moreover like people are just profiting all like big companies are profiting off of us having to to buy like metal straws or whatever and I I think it's just like so 
ingrained in everyone's mind that you like, as you were saying, like even like the, the people, like the scientific experts and like leaders in the field, you would think that they would be tuned into this, but I just think like mainstream thought is just so deeply centered on the individual that like we forget to hold corporations accountable and we forget to look at the big picture. Yeah. I also think like it's so much harder for, you know, me, I like want to make as much of a difference as I can. How am I going to like hold, you know, ExxonMobil accountable? I see that and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So like, at least I'll do this thing that they're telling me will help. (laughs) Even if like, it doesn't, everyone just like wants to be able to do something, but doing all these like little things is really just, yeah, it's just shifting blame. Like you said. I saw this video recently, Shell put out this marketing campaign, which like it's Shell, one of the worst in the world. And they put out this marketing campaign that was like, we're going to see how little emissions we can emit traveling across the United States. And they had all these like flashy electric cars. They made it really funny where they were like, I'm going to skateboard for a mile. They used a lot of celebrities to like be in this video. It was framed as this like, hopeful thing you know like we can travel across the country and be so sustainable and then if you actually look at the company you know they are promoting everything wrong (laughs) they are just the face of climate change but they like put out these things to make the consumer like trust them and be like oh like they care about the environment because they're showing people using electric cars, which is another issue that I could get into, like accessible, not so much, not accessible. And also like, if you really wanted to limit emissions, you know, take public transportation, you know, take invest in electric buses or like every person in the United States having a car is ultimately never going to be environmentally conscious. Right. (laughs) But, you know, that's not cool. That's not cool to show everybody, like, on a Greyhound bus crossing the country. (laughs) Right. I also think, like, there's definitely something ingrained in there with just, like, the inherent classism with sustainability that, like, there's almost, like, this trend of the wealthy white woman, like, co-opting a lot of, like, the sustainable practices by, like, doing the switching their shopping bags and, like, going to the thrift store and, like, shopping at a local, like, mart or whatever. Whereas, like, maybe some less wealthy folks are more likely to be taking, like, public transportation or more likely to be doing the, the things that are actually probably doing more to offset carbon emissions and things like that. It's just like a really interesting like space and and, and dynamic. I think everybody just wants to feel like they're doing their part. Yeah. And it's, it's so easy to do the things like buy a cute tote bag. But when someone tells you to like put your money, people don't want to donate their all their money away. They want to buy a cute tote bag and feel good about themselves, which like people don't want to hear that they're doing things wrong when they feel like they're trying their best. Totally. It's really hard. It's like, it's such an interesting conversation. And it is like, to your point, I think really frustrating, like, as an individual, being cognizant of the fact that like, the efforts I make in my daily life are probably not going to save the world. Bummer to admit, like, really wish they were, but like, me switching to the fifth menstrual cup is not going to solve the world's climate change problems. But also just feeling like, oh, well, then it just means like, oh, I have to like vote for the people who are going to enact these policies that will then take like years to actually like go into effect. And like at that point, like it's just really frustrating to feel so small in comparison to like all the big powers that be out there. Like I can't tap on the shoulder and be like, hey, please stop doing that and it would all be fixed. The system is so frustrating and it's so easy to get 
discouraged. Oh my gosh, yeah, especially this year. For, when it comes to climate, like, we have like a ticking time bomb. Existence in life as we know it, like, hangs in the balance. And it's, I don't feel like, I don't, I don't think everyone in the world feels that existential threat. And honestly, I don't on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, I don't live my life, like, feeling like the world's gonna end, but like... But like, some people do already. But climate policies in general aren't just gonna be, like, one presidential term and then everything is fixed you know like there are long-term policies that like you have to stick to in order for them to work and that just doesn't happen when you're like flip-flopping the political party that is in power every four years or eight years or whatever even if someone 25 years ago had implemented an amazing climate policy you know it just would have ended as soon as the next candidate came in and reverse everything which that can't happen with environmental things in order for them to work, yeah. which just makes this so much harder. Yeah, because the whole thing with climate change is that it's global and it's massive. So like you can't, there's no short-term solution for it. It's like, we start now and we should have started 25 years ago, but like we just have to start now and like we can't ease up. Like it just has to be what it is. It also is frustrating. Like the United States being one of the absolute worst offenders is like, one of the least impacted whereas like i mean you hear about this all the time like smaller countries um like island nations are the ones that are most impacted because of like natural disasters and like sea level rise and things like that and yet they're doing like almost nothing to impact climate change it's just such such a massive issue and it just yeah it, it gets me so like it makes me feel so small and so helpless when i think about it because i'm like this it's so hard because, I mean, for us, we can care about and recognize issues even if they don't impact us personally yet. But, like, for a lot of people, it's very hard to care or, like, actually put money and effort into these things if they're not affecting their daily lives, totally. which is, like, the richest countries and, like, the places like the United States that could actually help this, at least, are where these people exist and so it's just i don't know it's all just about empathy and like <laughs> caring about people in the world and i think that's what makes it so much more frustrating when like we feel so tiny and so hopeless and but like we care still yeah totally and it's just like until it affects the richest of us like they're not gonna care and that's really frustrating because like those are the last people it's gonna affect and at that point it will be too late like you have to care before it affects you it's such a huge conversation and like i don't know the half of it there's always more to research and to learn and to like talk to people and like it's so important to me to like know what's going on at least you know like I'm in such a position of privilege to like be able to be educated and to like have resources to learn as much as possible that like I feel the responsibility to do that and like do as much as I possibly can. Totally, totally. Because like at the very least, like what we can do is equip ourselves with as much knowledge as possible because that knowledge like is power. Exactly. And I feel like through like doing research and learning, then I can kind of see which day-to-day -day things that I can change will make the biggest difference actually based on like scientific fact. Right. I've like tried to cut out red meat completely and that is something that I can do. So like I should do it. Even if 
you know, not everyone has to go vegetarian or vegan. Just to, like, reduce the amount of meat that you eat makes such a big difference. So that that's something that I'm focusing on. Yeah. I also think that's really important. The idea that, like, you don't have to do sustainability perfectly in order to do it. Like, I do think, like, there's a little bit of that trend, like, zero waste, like, meatless all the time, like, vegan, whatever. And it's, like, if, if you can't do all of that perfectly, you're, like, oh, I might as well not even try. But, like, no, it's, like, just cutting yeah. down here and there is, like, is worth it and is good and, like, can be really, like, validating. And, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that really just goes along with, like, shaming the individual, you know? If we're shaming each other for not being the perfect, sustainable person, that's just, it's not. That is not it. That is yeah. not. All right. Well, I've kept you for a while now. We're kind of ending on a depressing note. Is there anything, like, fun that we can just, like, wrap up on? Can you tell me, like, what are your favorite products? I, okay, I really like the material that the pads and liners are. I love it so much better. If you're listening to this and you haven't tried them yet, you have to. It actually is different from other products. So soft, so absorbent. (laughs) I haven't tried a cup yet, but that's next on my list. You got to try it. As you probably know, um, I am a, like, fully converted cup girl, like, totally made the switch literally, like, four periods ago, and I can't go back now. I love it. It was, like, definitely not for everyone. Like, I think takes a little getting used to, but, like, definitely worth trying. I absolutely loved it. And, like, like I was saying earlier in this conversation, I used to get such anxiety around having my period, and the cup just, like, gets rid of that, because I don't have to worry about, like, it's just, like, lasts for so much longer. I'm not worried about it leaking. Like, I can't say enough, so you should definitely try that out. (laughs) I will. I actually, like, everyone I know who's tried one has loved it. Like, all my friends who use one are like, oh, it's, like, hard the first time, which that's what I'm afraid of, like, the first time using it. But then after I get over that first time, like, it'll be fine. And everybody I know who uses one is like, oh, my God, it's so worth it. It's so much easier. And you just can forget about it for so long. Totally. And, like, I am not a person who has, like, a dainty light period. So, like, when I'm using tampons, I have to change them often, and it's just a pain. Whereas, like, the cup I can leave in, like, all day long and not even think about it. Yeah. And the beauty, one of the very small server linings to, like, being in lockdown and, and being in the middle of a pandemic is that, like, you're just, like, home all day. So you can, like, try out a cup and, like, go to the bathroom and futz around with it and, like, figure it out. And, like, you don't have to be anywhere. Like, this is the, this is the time to try it. So Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> risk. <laughs> Seriously. Low risk, high reward. So you should go for it. Well, Thank you so much for joining us, Kelly. This was really fun to, to reminisce on dance days and also talk a little bit about the same Yeah, thing. I feel like we talked about so many different things. <laughs> this is what's so fun about these conversations for me is that, like, I never know what the hell we're going to talk about, and it's always really interesting, and I always feel very, like, refreshed after. Like, I always feel like I got a good rant in, like, I talked about some good stuff. Like, <laughs> I always, like, leave these conversations really energized. But yes, thanks so much for for joining me. And I'm sure we'll have you on the podcast again. At least I hope. But um, yes, thank you for having me.